Hey folks, how you doing? This one was recorded a while ago, but uh, we thought we would do it now. It was a tough one, and we didn't want to <laughs> we didn't want to throw it right in the middle of the holiday season. So today we have Carney's pregnancies fake and real, the nickname Cookie, and five cent admission to torture. If you're guessing, this episode will be a retelling of the life and times and tribulations of Nancy Pelosi. You're not wrong. And that would fucking suck. No, today we're going to be talking about Sylvia Likens and the tragic story that is. If you don't have a drink in hand, better get one in right away. This is going to be a tough one. I'm John. And I'm Kat. And this is Castagast. for a lovely Christmas. That's around the time that we're recording this one. Yes, and, uh, we're recording Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, or December 23rd as it is for yeah. most of you. <laughs> uh, whether you celebrate or not, Merry Christmas. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, that's right, yes. Yeah. Whatever you celebrate, I hope. Regardless, I hope today's a good day for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not much fun will be had today. No. S- no, this is a... This isn't a lighthearted... Murder, Mur- myth, murder no. true crime? No. I'm this- waiting for the lighthearted true crime. I to be I, perfectly to be perfectly honest, like I'm also waiting for a chair that doesn't squeak as much. <laughs> I hope I get one. Maybe for once we start maybe once we get on Patreon and things like that we'll be be able to We get- are so poor. <laughs> it's incredible how poor we are. But Well, uh, we're not uh, drinking anything right now other than water. If there's any episode to drink, it would be this one. So if well, you do, what are we doing then? If you, if you listeners are, uh, you do enjoy an alcoholic beverage, now is the time to go get one. We'll wait for you and get started yep. when you get back. Set up the IV. Yeah, because you're gonna need take it. it in quick or anally. That, I rectally. That, rectally. Mm-hmm. Why not it's, anally? Rectally is the medical term. Don't don't take it. Uh... Anally is the pornographic. Now, what term. what is the term for like up the urethra? Well, what is it you're doing? Pouring things up your pee hole. <laughs> you are the grossest person. I... A catheter. Yeah, it doesn't but, but pour like, but like when there. you put stuff up your ass, it's like rectally. But when you put it up your 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 pee hole, what it, is it? I think it's just called vaginally. No, that's up the <laughs> vagina. Okay. Whatever. Uh, disclaimer time. So, um, we are doing a true crime podcast. We don't take this shit very seriously. So well, we, we end take up... the podcast seriously and the stories, but we like to have fun as we do it. We, uh, we fucking hate the murderers and their families, and so we <laughs> tend to make fun of them and where they come from. But and we... we think that's valid because they're fucking murderers and pieces of shit. We try not to make fun of the victims. We go out of our way not to make fun of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you feel Sometimes like... Sometimes an opportunity may arise. And we edit it out and have a laugh <laughs> uh, when you don't know about it. Yes. But regardless, if you don't think true crime and comedy belong together, 
That's great. Too bad, so sad. Go watch some fucking CSI Miami. It's I, totally fine. We understand. There's lots of amazing other podcasts out there. Yeah. Go find a nice, warm place to like knit a quilt. Um, Basically, and, what and he's say saying a prayer. is we won't mm. be offended if we're not your jam. So. Yeah, we're really not offended. On that note, you've shall been we? warned. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. You. Go ahead. <laughs> So, we'll get started with today's story. Yes, what is it? Today we are talking about Sylvia Likens. Okay. Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949 to Lester and Elizabeth Likens. Those, Lester and Elizabeth, those sound like 1920s, 30s, 40s names. Absolutely. A Lester. Yes, old family members of mine had names like Mabel, Hilda, Mildred... Ethel. I wonder when Lester will get big again. I hope it never does. I really... No offense to any of our listeners if they're named Lester, but... There's like a character in Grand Theft Auto V named Lester. Yeah. But... And that's where he belongs. Oh. So eventually, she was one of five siblings, being the only non-twin out of everyone. What? Yeah, she had an older set of twin siblings and a younger set. Her parents... (laughs) Wow. Isn't that something? Identical? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Her parents were carnival workers who traveled quite a bit. Lester, only having a grade A education and five children to care for, making ends meet was tough at times. No kidding. Sylvia, who was also nicknamed Cookie, was just... (laughs) Isn't that great? That's very of the time, too. Cookie and Muffin. Cookie seems like a very, like, North American nickname. Like, I wonder if there's, like, an analog for it in Britain called Biscuit. That's like, funny. Like her name is Ruth. Or Crumpet. <laughs> crumpet. <laughs> oh, Crumpet, come in. Yes, dear. <laughs> so, Sylvia, nicknamed Cookie, was described as very confident despite missing a front tooth from an accident she had with her brother. Which front tooth, top or bottom? It was top. Nice. That's the best one. At 16 years old in 1965, she was a lover of the Beatles and roller skating. Sylvia was very sweet and doting on her little sister, Jenny, who had a a limp that was a result from polio. Bummer. Yeah. She would spend her babysitting money to take her and Jenny roller skating. She would fasten one skate on Jenny's good leg, and she would hold her on her other side and skate around the rink, which I just think is like the sweetest sibling story I've ever heard. In July of 1965... Lester decided to get back into the carnival business again. Sadly, his wife was jailed during this time for shoplifting. And knowing he was going to have to start traveling again, he had to figure out boarding arrangements for his children. Why did she shoplift? Was she like a klepto or? I believe she stole from a a market. So I don't know. Hungry, basically. (laughs) He was able <laughs> he was able to board Denny and Benny and his grandparents and was able to arrange boarding for Sylvia and Jenny with a recent acquaintance, Gertrude Benazuski. Gertrude was not well off at all. She had seven of her own children living in a rundown home. She brought in a little money by ironing clothing for neighbors. And it was arranged that Lester would pay $20 weekly for the boarding of Jenny and Sylvia. After he had dropped them off, he handed Gertrude a 20 and asked her to straighten out his daughters a little bit. Uh-oh. Gertrude promised to take care of them as he left. 
And it wasn't in a malicious way. He just handed her the 20 for the first week of boarding. And I guess they were just really rowdy kids. So he was just like, why don't you straighten them up a bit? Yeah, just, like it, you know, yeah. give her a little bit of elbow. Yeah, nah, they need a woman. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I don't think it was malicious at all. But Straighten out my fucking kids. <laughs> so the first two weeks went by smoothly. Both Sylvia and Jenny were treated well until the third week when Lester's money was late. His money would arrive weekly, but not consistent with the days. This upset Gertrude greatly. And she said, quote, I took care of you two bitches for two weeks for nothing. End quote. Whoa. She then spat on Sylvia and Jenny and grabbed Sylvia by the arm, dragging her into the bedroom, closing the door and began beating her. Whoa. The money arrived the next day. Jeez, have some patience. <laughs> you think he would have told her, hey... Yeah, yeah, you'll get it. Maybe he did. Mary, maybe he very well did. Fuck, damn it. When the parents came back into town for a visit and to give Gertrude another advanced payment, neither child mentioned the beating. Yeah, they were probably scared out of their yeah. fucking minds. Gertrude began abusing both Sylvia and Jenny regularly now. She favorited a wooden paddle that she would use on them. Oh, it's like she's got a taste for it. Yeah. On one occasion, she beat each of them 15 times on the back with a paddle when her daughter Paula accused them of eating too much food at a church supper they attended. What? Yeah. So even the shitty daughter was in on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just just wait. By the middle of August, Gertrude was putting most of the abuse on Sylvia now. It is speculated that Gertrude was jealous of Sylvia's appearance and potential in life. Once, when Gertrude found out Sylvia was recycling pop bottles for money, she really let loose on her. She beat her over the back and the head. And suffering from bronchitis, Gertrude suffering from bronchitis, this fatigued her. So she then handed the paddle to her daughter, Paula, to finish out the beating. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. How much older was Paula? Paula's 16. And they're... No, Paula... Paula, I believe, might be 19. I will get to her age, um, but I think she's 19, and Sylvia's 16. Jesus. Yeah. So they're, like, so close in age, too. One day, Sylvia mentioned she had a boyfriend in Long Beach, California, when her family used to live there. Gertrude then asked her if she'd done anything with boys. Not understanding her comment, Sylvia said yes. She'd gone skating with boys and sat with one on a park bench once. A few days later, Gertrude bought this up again, saying Sylvia's stomach is looking big, insinuating that she looked pregnant. What? Not catching on, Sylvia then said, yeah, it is getting pretty big. I should go on a diet. Gertrude accused her of being pregnant and began kicking her in the genitals. Paula, being overweight and pregnant herself as a teenager, was also jealous of Sylvia, so she joined in with the mother, kicking her. Just kicking her in the crotch. Yeah, and... What the fuck? So Sylvia was once force-fed a hot dog by Gertrude, Paula, and a neighbor boy, Randy. The hot dog was overloaded with mustard, spices, and ketchup, so much so that Sylvia threw up when she was force-fed this hot dog. She threw up, and they forced her to consume what she threw up. Sadly, Gertrude began making Jenny take part in the abuse. Sylvia's sister. What? Or else she would have turned it on her. She also encouraged her children to abuse Sylvia, which they did. 
They would practice karate on her, slamming her into walls and on the floor. They liked using her as an ashtray and burning her. Oh, my God. They would cut her and rub salt in her wounds. Gertrude's 12-year-old son liked having Sylvia lick diapers clean that belonged to the youngest son what? of Gertrude. Are you serious? I want I want Sylvia to fucking go super sane. I know. Like, I, I, want, I want her to just get into so much rage, she just fucking Stage ends them three. all. Stage three. I want her to Amityville horror these fuckers. Yes, I know. Like, god damn it. So Sylvia's last day at school would be October 6th, the day after her parents had a visit. Gertrude wrote the school saying that Sylvia no longer wanted to attend, when really she was locked in a basement. Children from the school would visit regularly to torture Sylvia. As if this isn't horrific enough, there was occasions where Sylvia was forced to strip naked and insert a Coke bottle into her vagina while all of Gertrude's kids watched. After that incident, she took a hot needle and began branding Sylvia's stomach with the phrase, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. Oh, my God. Gertrude was not able to finish this branding, so she had another neighborhood boy, 14-year-old Richard Hobbs, and Gertrude's 10-year-old daughter to finish the branding. They then took her back down to the basement and used a hot anchor bolt to brand the letter S into Sylvia's left breast. When Hobbs was later asked about this, he said that Gertie had made him do it. The next day, she was forced to display the carving to the neighborhood children. Oh, my God. Yeah. By this time, Sylvia was completely beaten and broken. She was not able to use the bathroom voluntarily anymore and would wet the bed. Oh, my God. Gertrude, deciding she was unfit to live with the rest of them now, she locked her in the basement, naked and without food or a bathroom. This brutality never ended. Every day, Sylvia was subjected to horrific beatings and humiliation by Gertrude, her own children, and the neighborhood children. Children would pay five cents to witness the horror and the beatings that were being inflicted on Sylvia. This is fucking ridiculous. Three days before her death, Sylvia told her sister Jenny, quote, I'm going to die, I can tell, end quote. I guess Gertrude could also tell because she then forced Sylvia to write a letter. This letter was intended to clearly mislead her family about what really happened. The letter read, To Mr. and Mrs. Likens, I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said that they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got in the car, and they all got what they wanted. And when they finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach, I am a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything that I could do to just make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also cost Gertie doctor bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck in all her kids. End quote. After writing the letter, Gertie tied her up on a, to a stair railing and tried to offer Sylvia crackers. Sylvia refused the crackers and told Gertie to just give them to the dog. This angered Gertrude, and she shoved the crackers into Sylvia's mouth, forcing her to eat them. Then Gertrude and her son beat her, focusing on the stomach. On October 25th, Sylvia did make an attempt to escape when she overheard Gertrude talking to her children, saying that her son, John Jr., would take her to the woods blindfolded and leave her there to die. 
Oh my God. In her attempt to flee, she did make it to the front door, but her injuries made her too weak. Gertrude was able to stop her. She was then given a slice of toast, but was unable to consume it due to extreme malnutrition. The toast was forced into her mouth, just like the crackers and the hot dog. Gertrude then beat her severely in the face with a curtain rod, so much so that it bent the rod. Coy Hubbard, a neighborhood boy, then took the rod, striking her and rendering her unconscious. Gertrude dragged Sylvia back to the basement and left her there. That night, Sylvia tried alerting neighbors by screaming and hitting the wall, but no one reported anything. Later on, a neighbor speaking to the police recalled hearing the screaming, but it stopped abruptly at 3 a.m., so she didn't bother calling it in. Oh, for fuck's sakes. By October 26th, Sylvia could no longer be coherent or move properly. Gertrude brought her into the kitchen and propped her up against a wall, but eventually knocked her down in frustration when Sylvia couldn't consume the food and milk they tried giving her. She was returned to the basement. Does it, it sounds like they're trying to, like... Keep her alive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're realizing if she dies, this it's, is going to be a lot tougher exactly. for them. But they also don't want to stop beating on her. Like... Yeah. It's so fucking disgusting. So she was returned to the basement, and by that afternoon, she was now delirious. The neighborhood kids came over to observe Sylvia's condition. She was given a rotten pear to eat, but couldn't eat it, saying she could feel the looseness in her teeth. In an attempt to clean Sylvia up, John Jr. brought in an outdoor hose to spray Sylvia down. She tried again to escape, but couldn't even make it to the basement stairs. Gertrude stomped her on the head for trying to escape again. Stephanie, Gertrude's daughter, began crying at the sight of Sylvia and her condition. Richard Hobbs and Stephanie decided to give her a bath and dress her in new clothes. They laid her down on the mattress in one of the bedrooms, and Sylvia muttered her final words, saying, quote, Daddy was here, end quote. So I'm assuming she was trying to say, I wish Daddy was here. That's just my, yeah. my guess. Stephanie, oh my God. I know it's... Stephanie then realized that Sylvia was no longer breathing. She attempted mouth-to-mouth, but Gertrude kept screaming that she was faking. Gertrude began beating Sylvia's body with a book, insisting that she was faking, screaming, faker, faker. However, she eventually realized the situation and ordered Richard Hobbs to call the police from a payphone. The police arrived around 6.30 p.m., and Gertrude led them to her body in the bedroom. Her body was extremely brutalized. She was emancipated and bludgeoned, laying on a soiled mattress. She handed the police the letter, saying she tried nursing Sylvia back to health for the last hour. She reiterated what the letter said, saying that Sylvia ran away with a group of teenage boys. She only returned to the house later that afternoon, naked from the waist up, clutching the note. While clutching the Bible, Gertrude's daughter Paula said that Sylvia's death was, quote, meant to happen, end quote. She turned to Jenny, Sylvia's sister, and said, if you'd like to stay, Jenny, we'll treat you like our own sister, end quote. Jenny was instructed by Gertrude to say the same story to police regarding Sylvia running away with the boys, which she did. 
But shortly after, she approached one of the policemen and whispered, quote, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. Oh, God, thank God. After hearing what Jenny had to say, the police arrested Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, who was only 10, and John Jr. for suspicion of Sylvia's murder. The very same day, the two neighborhood boys, Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs, were arrested with the same offense. Other neighborhood children, like Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Annie Sisko, were also arrested for injury to a person, but they uh, were too young to face any charges. Please tell me somewhere a vigilante kills these fucking kids. (laughs) I know. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. It's just so horrific to know how many people joined in on this. Like, did none of these kids tell their parents, like, what was going on? Well, and what fucking parenting? Yeah. Well, we're just going over to their house. Do some fucking parenting. Yeah, I know. Shit. So Gertrude threw her kids under the bus, saying they were the ones mostly responsible for Sylvia's injuries. She tries to throw her own fucking kids under the bus. And she even said, especially Paula. Oh my God. She did admit to her awareness of the neighborhood kids abusing Sylvia as well. Sylvia's autopsy revealed that she suffered from 150 separate wounds to her body, in addition to being extremely emancipated at the time of her death. The injuries themselves varied in location, severity, and stages of healing. Sylvia's injuries included burns, severe bruising, and extensive muscle and nerve damage. Her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut. Oh my god. Although an examination of the canal determined that her hymen was still intact, proving Gertrude's accusations wrong about Sylvia ever being pregnant, a prostitute, or promiscuous. Sylvia's fingernails were broken backwards, and, and most of the outer layers of her face, breasts, and neck, and right knee had peeled and receded. In her delirium, Sylvia had bitten through her lips, partially severing sections of them from her face. Jesus. The official cause of Sylvia's death was listed by coroner Dr. Arthur Keeble. He listed, quote, as a subdural hematoma due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple. Both the shock she had primarily suffered due to the severe and prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and subcutaneous tissues, plus the severe malnutrition, were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of her body indicating that Sylvia may have been deceased for up to eight hours before she was found. End quote. Oh, my God. He also noted that Sylvia had been recently bathed, possibly after death, and that this act could have sped up the onset of rigor mortis. Gertrude pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. However, on December 30th, 1965, she was convicted of first-degree murder. Her daughter, Paula and her son, John Jr., were also convicted. Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard, the neighborhood children, were charged with the abuse they inflicted on Sylvia that resulted in fatal injuries. During the trial, the prosecution said, quote, that at no point had Likens either provoked any of the defendants or received any medical care beyond occasionally having margarine rubbed onto scalded sections of her face and body. Oh 
referencing specific forms and means of abuse and neglect at the defendant's hands and their collective failure to either help Likens or deter each other from mistreating her. Westner described Likens' abuse as stomach-wrenching and compared her treatment at the hands of all five defendants as being the equivalent in severity to that committed against prisoners in Nazi concentration camps, end quote. I think that's a fair that's a statement. Fair, that's a fair description, that's for sure. On May 19th, 1966, after deliberating for eight hours, the panel of eight men and four women found Gertrude Banaszewski guilty of first-degree murder. Jeez, it took them eight hours? I know. Sometimes I wonder, like, did they want their free lunch or dinner? Oh, my God. No kidding. They recommended a sentence of life in prison. Paul... Fucking killer. Did was there kill could did they have the death penalty? Paula was found guilty of second degree murder. Hobbs, Hubbard, and John Jr. were found guilty of manslaughter. Upon hearing Judge Robbs pronounce the verdicts, Gertrude and her children burst into tears and attempted to console each other. As Hobbs and Hubbard they re- remained impassive. On May twenty fifth, Gertrude and Paula were formally sentenced to life in prison. The same day, Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard and John Jr. each received sentences of 2 to 21 years to be served in the Indiana Reformatory. Both Gertrude and Paula were retried in September of 1970 due to Judge Saul Isaac had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defense counsel at the original trial for both a change of venue and separate trials. That's, they were denied that. Mm-hmm. So instead of facing a retrial, Paula just pled guilty to manslaughter and received a sentence of 2 to 21 years. She was released in 1972. Fuck So, that. yeah, maybe if she served time from 1966 to 1972. What the fuck is that? I know, that? so six years. Gertrude was retried and received life in prison. She was released in 1985. What the fuck? She had changed her name to Nadine von Fosen and was a devout Christian. She even gained the nickname of Mom while she was in prison because she became a somewhat den mother to the other female inmates. She couldn't be a mother to her own children or a, a mother figure to Sylvia and Jenny, but she could be a mother to other female inmates. Just a fucking barrel of assholes. Yeah. Paula changed her name as well and became a teacher's aide. However, in 2012, an anonymous tip came in of her involvement with the murder, and she was fired. Good. Yeah. Fuck you. You don't get a career, you fucking bitch. That was in 2012. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Jr. each served less than two years in the Indiana Reformatory before being granted parole on February 27th, 1968. Richard Hobbs died of lung cancer in 1972. Good. I hope it was painful and he was gasping for air at the end. Piece of shit. He was 21 years old and he was known to have suffered at least one nervous breakdown. Good. Piece of garbage. John Jr. became a minister, helping children of divorced parents. He has been quoted as saying he understands his involvement and that him and the other children should have received harsher punishments. He completely reformed and became a productive member of society. He died in 2005 of diabetes complications. Good. So I just wonder, like, he obviously was reformed, so 
I and recognizes his involvement in what happened. And he was at the hands of his mother and his immaturity level. So I don't think he knew the severity of the crimes he was doing. How old was he again at the time? I believe he was the oldest, but I'm not really sure. I would say maybe 16. Um, when Gertrude passed away in 1990 of lung cancer, five years after her parole release, Jenny, Sylvia's sister, clipped out the obituary and sent it to her parents saying, quote, some good news today. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha ha ha. I am happy about that. End quote. Nice. Sadly, Jenny suffered severe PTSD from her time with Gertrude and witnessing the abuse her sister went through. No kidding. She became dependent on anxiety medication. She did marry and have children, but she passed of a heart attack at the age of 54. Fuck, really? Yeah. In June 2001, a six-foot-tall granite memorial was formally dedicated to Sylvia Likens. It's titled Life and Legacy in Willard Park, and it's on Washington Street. There is a poem on the granite statue, and it says, I see a light, hope, I feel a breeze, strength. I hear a song, relief. Let them through, for they are the welcome ones. Wow. There's also a child advocacy center dedicated to Sylvia, and it's called the Sylvia's Child Advocacy Center. It was founded in 2010. It was formed with the objective to assist child victims of abuse, neglect, and to minimize the ongoing traumatic effect experienced as a result of their ordeal and to undertake a relentless pursuit to prevent child abuse in both Boone and Montgomery County. And that's the story of Sylvia Likens. Oh, man. That was a tough one. Yeah, that, that... was really fucking tough. It was very hard to try and condense it for our podcast. There's so many just... She dealt with this daily, all day long. I think what got to me the most... Like, I... I, I this is, uh, uh, I would say... in pretty close to Kellyanne Bates as in but I think like that what makes it even more disturbing is just the humiliation and the participation of so many fucking people that's what I found the most disturbing about it was researching this is every single person she saw after her family had left her with Gertie failed her yeah every single person I I mean obviously I grew up in a different time but um, if I saw anything like that at a home, I would be running home telling my parents. Like, yeah, I, like who, I just... Who were the parents? Like, what fucking parents were these? Yeah, I just couldn't imagine the loss of hope she started feeling. Oh, my just no, God. And not only... You're absolutely right. Like, she was made a, a spectacle. Like, she was a show. Like, they're yeah. paying five cents to see her. Like, like, what, a, the, what like disgusting a, neighborhood was this? sideshow. Fuck. But um, aside from that, like, I think she just absolutely lost all hope with humanity. Well, I don't know if she lost hope because she kept trying to escape yeah. at the end. Yeah, that's true. Like, she went out fighting as, and best, she did. as best she could. Maybe she should have started earlier because it sounds like she might have had a chance if she were not so weak from all the fucking bullshit. She did have another parents uh, visit from 
before she was taken out of school. And again, they kept, her and her sister kept the secret of the abuse. Oh, God, that must have, like, fucking... I can't imagine how her, uh... her parents felt finding this out. Oh, no kidding, I'd kill myself. Yeah. You know, it's just... They just feared that they were that they would get beaten a million times worse if they told someone. Uh, Sylvia did say to her sister, too, that she does not blame her. When she was having the talk with her sister that she can feel that she's going to be dying soon, in the same conversation, she did say, I know you can't help it. I know mm. you can't help this. I just feel like just knowing the bond her and Jenny had... I can't imagine the PTSD Jenny had with this. Yeah. You know, they were best friends. The story about Sylvia taking her roller skating and... You know what's extra scary about this whole thing? This is child abuse, hidden child abuse inside a home. And right now we live in a world where it's likely that a lot of this is happening. Absolutely. That was... That's Sylvia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this oh, is Jesus. Sylvia. There's Gertrude. Oh my god, she looks like a fucking piece of garbage. That's Paula. Same thing. Smir Trash. Smirking in her... Oh, you just want to stick a boot in their faces. I know. She was really... Um, when, Syl when Gertrude was released from prison, she looked like she's already a frightening woman, but she looks so hard. There she is. I'm glad that fucking bitch is dead. Yeah. Fucking pure evil. Yeah, and this was Paul, and this was her when she was fired from her job as a teacher's aide. And she's dead now, isn't no, she? No, she's still alive. She was a fired in 2012. So that is the story of Sylvia Likens. Tragic, but tragic, period. However, the tribute statue to her and the center... And her name is, is it leaves a legacy yeah, that's, for her. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But it just sucks that something so horrific has to happen oh. for, for people to fucking put up a goddamn statue mm -hmm. and start a goddamn charity. Yeah. Like, this shit shouldn't have happened in the first place. Oh, I definitely agree. And, like, every the way you describe this Gertrude woman, like, she sounded like a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. anyone who took any amount of giving a shit, yeah. who did any amount of parenting, had any amount of courage, could have unfolded this before this fucking stuff went as far as it did. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so fucking frustrating. You've wrecked my night. <laughs> that's You're why I wanted to get it out before Christmas time. Yeah, just so I'm really in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> but I have to say, I am. it's going to be a really sick, rude awakening. Uh, years from now, uh, provided that the world isn't full of fucking, isn't run by idiots mm -hmm. any longer. Um, and we're out of COVID. We basically are out of COVID, but. Yeah. And then it, it starts getting revealed how many fucking cases have happened like this across the, well, across yes. the world. You know, there like, was that uh, one I was telling you about just in Ontario alone, how much the domestic violence and suicides. Yeah have tripled in uh, amount. Like, how many beaten little girls, boys... Husbands, Husbands wives. and wives, like, then they can't escape. Yeah, there's not... Because the fucking government locks yeah, them down. Like, it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, they can't... 
For some kids, school is their only escape. For domestic violence, work may be your own own escape. And then when you're locked down, you're a prisoner. Yeah. And you, and you know what's interesting? It makes me wonder. Because in Canada here, we have the uh, the federal government just just apologizing out their ass for what happened at the uh, the bullshit and garbage and horrible treatment of indigenous people in our um, our residential schools yeah um, and and they and obviously we're generations away from it yes from yeah. anyone involved in the government the yeah. generate and but they're still apologizing but they're but, not but but Maybe 10 years from now, we start hearing about what happened to all the people who got beat in domestic Mm -hmm. issues and died like this. Are the fuckers now going to apologize? Are they going to be held accountable? Oh, no. The the assholes who fucking locked everyone down Mm -hmm. for public safety? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I don't know. I hope hope they do. Mm -hmm. I hope they do, but I doubt it. I doubt it as well. But it's just so fucking frustrating. This one really pissed me off. I know. I'm just... I'm not even in the mood to play Skyrim now. Oh, no. I really fucked your night over. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm a cynical millennial. I got a bit of Gen Xer in me, we'll so pour... I, can, I can get through it. I've played enough GTA. I'm desensitized. We'll pour some wine, and we will definitely keep Sylvia in our thoughts. Well, she's pretty much imprinted there. Yeah, I know. I'm... Yeah. But... But I hope uh, you folks enjoyed that. I hope you were as disgusted as I am. Um, so you know you're a normal person. Uh, enjoy the seven fingers of whiskey you're going to enjoy tonight. And uh, we'll catch you for the next one. Yes, and Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Regardless however of when you, you're listening to however this. However you decide to spend your holiday. Right, you'll be listening to this after the holidays. So I hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Take care, folks. You can check us out on YouTube at Catam Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore a guest. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs>